and welcome to the uh, Purple Rock Survivor Podcast. I am your host, Andy, and with me for this special summer series on Heroes vs. Villains is Emma. (laughs) I I practiced that. Emma! I mean, for the video, we've got it on the little thing anyway, so it's all good. (laughs) Uh, uh, I think the uh, crowd wants to know, uh, since we're going to do this, uh, what's it like to be a hero? Um, I imagine amazing. Like, I bet I feel like you'd have to ask Rupert. Isn't he the only one who truly knows? Well, I'm just thinking, like, clearly I'm the villain, uh, so you must be the hero. I mean, uh, to the to the Tumblr crowd, probably just by virtue of being, you know, a girl and funny. Maybe what it is is that all us Purple Rock folks are the villains. And I'm sure you'd be able to find, you know, a site or two or somebody that might agree with that. Or or maybe four of us, and then there's that guy we let talk that one time. Maybe he gets to be on the Heroes Tribe. Thing is, yeah, he is he's so clearly like the actual hero, but we managed to spin into being the villain. That's right. We would corrupt him like uh poor Sandra, who was, you know, totally a hero. And then cast wrong, and then suddenly she's ripping off tops. Uh, so, yes, we're here to talk about the first three episodes of Heroes vs. Villains. Um, first, I thought we would just kind of lay the ground rules of what we're trying to accomplish here. Uh, first of all, we just wanted to watch something cool. You know, we didn't fun. want to watch Gabon. No, uh, we, we totally uh, tapped out on that one. And it's like, you know what, you boys yeah, have some fun. Uh, we and didn't that, even- we didn't even watch along with them. We were very unsupportive. No, I was like, I'll remember it. Like, I've seen yeah. it. Uh, that's enough for me. I and read frankly, the Yeah, yeah, we commented. And frankly, I might have watched it, but um, there was no easy way to do so, and I wasn't going to go out of my way to accomplish uh, something that wasn't going to be that much fun. But you, were, you weren't going to go to purplerockpodcast.com slash Amazon and purchase Gabon? <laughs> No, because uh, I would have to pay, like, duty charges to do yeah. that, see? Because it. uh, it's a reminder for everyone. Uh, if the accent and, you know, general pallor of the space isn't uh, uh, giving it away, I am not from America. Um, Sorry, are you trying to blame your paleness on being Canadian while talking to a very pale coastal Californian? Yeah, Southern it's great that I'm not the yeah. most pale person in this conversation. Uh, and I wonder if that would be true for, like, two-thirds of the Purple Rock podcast. We are not a, a podcast full of, you know, color uh, other than purple. Um, so, yeah, we wanted to uh, watch something fun, something good, uh, and, you know, a nice palate cleanser for the people that w- actually did watch along. And uh, we just we batted around a few ideas, and we're just like, you know what, screw it. Let's just go with the best. Um, and that's what we uh, – I uh, think of Heroes vs. Villains. I'm going into this having seen it aired, um, when it aired, and then watched it. I rewatched a bit of it last summer during our 30 for 30 season uh, series. Mm -hmm. But other than that, that's it. And um, I have it ranked as the best season of all time, and I'm not really going into this to challenge that idea. Uh, How about about you? Uh, Where do you uh, fit in? How do you feel? What's your thoughts of Heroes vs. Villains before rewatching it? I mean, when you guys, when we did the whole, like, a couple of years ago, God, was that really multiple yep. years ago? We've known each other uh, so long. Uh, <laughs> um, did this series, you know, about 
ranking the seasons and all that and he had people on i was i believe the first person you had on which meant i was the one who got to talk about heroes versus villains because i like any any you know good god-fearing survivor fan ranked it as number one yeah and so yeah this isn't uh, us trying to you know get into contrarians like oh it's not really that good uh only the true survivor heads know how to appreciate a great season like you know Blah. And that's when the snob says something awful that I can't even bring myself to say. Uh, no, we just want to have fun and talk about a great season of Survivor. Um, and as we say, this is a rewatch for us. We've seen it and we remember it. Uh, we, I toyed with the idea of trying to not talk about future events in the podcast or at least save them to the end. And as I was putting together the discussion for tonight, I realized that's impossible. Um, the the fun and joy of a rewatch is to talk about the things you notice now um, that you d- didn't notice the first time because they weren't significant until all of the events unfold. And you're like, ah, they're setting this story up or that story up. So on the off chance that you're somebody who watches, you know, um, Survivor and listens to podcasts and watches video podcasts but hasn't seen the you know, biggest season in the history of the show and is unspoiled – uh, maybe just turn off the podcast now um, and come back. Come back at the end because, um, yeah, we're just going to spoil it all. We will be focused on the events of the first three episodes, but if things happen this episode that set up things down the road, we're going to talk about that. Um, so I think uh, with that out of the way, a good way to start this discussion is to talk about the theme. And... Um, they didn't want to call it just All-Stars 2 or something, you know, generic that means nothing like, I don't know, Game Changers or something. <laughs> um, they call it Heroes versus Villains, and um, I think that had some implications. What, what are your thoughts on calling the season Heroes versus Villains? Well, it certainly affected the score, like, just from them entering. It was so funny to me. You know, you hear this, like, grand music with the heroes come in on their helicopter, you know, and they get there first. And so Jeff sort of chatting them up, you know, and then it's like practically the Imperial March, you know, it's just like, dun, 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 dun. and like, they come down and sand is blowing everywhere, you know. And those it's dogs. the best, and I hope that they planned it, that the first thing that happens is the villains lead in the Oh no, I've lost sound here. Am I gone? Oh, you're back. There we go. But yeah, I, I, that's something I really picked up on now. Like, ah, those darn villains. And it's like, I mean, yeah, because they control, like, told the helicopter pilots, no, no, wait. We're going we're gonna to be, you know, make a fashionably late entrance and just spray sand everywhere. Yeah, and the scoring throughout the season, they're just having so much fun with that. The villains yeah. get the, you know, the, the dark music. Yeah. And the heroes, you know, all uplift. And it's kind of funny because I think the best thing that came out of Heroes vs. Villains is the heroes end up not being all that heroic and the villains being much more enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I don't even think like that is like the irony or, you know, like uh, an internet fan like, oh, that's what you get probes for trying to push these heroes down my throat. I actually think it's just funny. I like it. I like that, that like we get to see what happens when heroes don't have any villains to blame. Right. And they maybe start turning other people into, on their own tribe, become the villains, people who are very likable the first time around. 
Yeah, it's like the what, the Harvey Dent line in The Dark Knight. You know, you either uh, die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that seems to happen a lot in Survivor if you keep coming back. Um, unless maybe sometimes if you start as a villain, you get to become the hero later. But otherwise, you know, by that fourth or fifth time, people are like, yes. Uh, although, I mean, obviously there's plenty of people who, you know, Tired of him long before he stopped coming back. Um, but tired of seeing as villainous, I feel like, are different. Mm-hmm. But I think the other thing that people have, like, you know, obviously, like, the concept of heroes and villains in this game is, of course, silly. But at the same time, I actually have very little problem with the way they did it because the heroes are, you know, the casual fan um these are the people they root for. And mm-hmm. that's that tribe. And then the villains are the people who often were the antagonists towards those people. Yeah. But I do think that there were a few misfits here or there. Um, who do you think was the biggest um, like misalignment? I'm not saying miscast, but who right. is on the and, wrong tribe? Well, um, one thing I'd like to say first, one thing I noticed is um, when Jeff you know, asked at the beginning, like, oh, who thinks they're on the wrong tribe? And on the villains, three and like a half people raised their hands. I um, I'm forgetting who now, but someone sort of like later is like, oh, maybe me, you know, sort of like I want to join it. But it's three and a half out of ten, and Jeff's like, almost all the villains think they're on the wrong tribe, and I'm like, yeah, that's kind of yeah, like okay. when he did the whole who who thought I pressured uh, Janu into quitting, and then like yeah. you know, Kobe is like, eh, it's like, see, no one, no, no one, no one did, no one, that's fine. The classic like Rose the Taylor Perry idol if Spencer had it. Yep, that's right. I knew it. You guys are just results oriented. Yeah, no, the classic probst of not uh, remembering that you don't ask questions you don't already know the answer to. It's like, I'm going to make a point here, and I don't care what you say. I'm still making that point. Um, for me, anyway, I, to answer your actual yeah, question, um, to answer your actual question, so people didn't fit. Well, one, um, I should note that, like you, I first watched this live because, like you, I've watched the whole thing since the beginning. You know, um, we're the only ones of the Purple Rock crew who are like that. But, um, yeah, and I was someone who, like, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, like, a nerd about it yet. Just, be, like, I was a nerd about it. I loved the show and stuff, but just didn't even know what was going on on the Internet and stuff. Yeah. And um, no, I'm still pretty young. But, um, and there was, I only didn't remember Candace and Danielle. Didn't remember them. Then having since rewatched, and I know this is a very like common thing now people say on the internet, but I remember a couple of years ago rewatching Cook Islands and being like, wait, why the fuck was Candace on the hero tribe? <laughs> like, she's not only like one of the white people, but she's like, you know, she's the mutineer. She's against the, and it's just like, it just made, like the fact that they brought her back was already suspect, but like complete, it, completely wrong tribe. And yeah. she even proves it in the season. <laughs> Yeah, for me, it's Candace. That's when it happened. You know, when they first announced the cast, because they're so famous. Like, these are the big stars, mm-hmm. plus Danielle and Candace. Uh, so those were the ones that I kind of like. I, I was pretty sure I knew who Candace was. Danielle, I had to look up a bit. Um, I didn't have a problem with Candace being cast because she was a big factor in Cook Islands. And right. Uh, if she had just come back in Micronesia, nobody would question it. Uh, and, of course, now we know that she was cast to come back in for Micronesia and then dropped out, and that's how we got Parvati. 
Um, so I, I didn't have a necessarily problem with her being like one of the ten women, but as a hero, yeah, are you kidding me? Like, yeah, you you painted her as a villain in her season. And to yeah, be perfectly uh, like, to be perfectly honest, I have no idea why I don't remember her. Like, I really liked Cook yeah. Islands from the it beginning. It had been a while, I think. I just, yeah, like, it had been a while. I was like, I don't know, you know, it, it just didn't didn't remember her um and then of the villains like danielle's easily the most forgettable but it's like one where it's like eh, whatever like if you were going to choose like if you had to put her on one team i think that's where you put her you wouldn't have her be a hero yeah so, i mean like, she's just like neutral she's nothing right like yeah so i don't complain about her being a villain um we have another discussion about danielle coming up uh but yeah Candace as a hero is just ridiculous. Uh, I think Sandra as a villain is a weird fit. Uh, She was the antagonist to, you know, one of the biggest survivor villains in uh, Johnny Fairplay. Um, She was, you know, Rupert's running buddy and he's a hero. Um, so I like that. basically like, oh, you're a woman and you have like attitude. So you're a villain, which is also the Courtney effect. Yeah. But I mean, Courtney, I don't have a problem with it because like, I'm fine with it. But, yeah, she paints herself as, you know, that, like, like her shtick is that she's kind of bitchy and she doesn't like anybody. These people act like they're my friends, but really I just like them less, less or whatever. Yeah. Is. I'm sure you know it. Um, so, yeah, that one I didn't have a problem with. But, yeah, it was like you could just swap Candace and Sandra. It'd be fine. Now, mm-hmm. I think what happened is they wanted to balance out athleticism uh, mm-hmm. probably a bit. Um but, yeah, that one I didn't have a problem with. It's interesting when we uh, posted that we were going to talk about heroes versus villains and people, you know, dropped the gun and started commenting about it because we have the best commenting group in all of Survivor Internet land. Uh, so, people were like, oh, Coach is a villain. That's weird. And and that just I, shocked me. I shut that down <laughs> so fast because I'm... I hate Coach. Like, I'll say it. I've always said it. Like, I don't think, I mean, I think this is probably, I said, we'll have to discuss this later. I think this is probably my favorite season for Coach. We'll discuss that in a different episode. But Coach, and like, I know everyone's like, oh, Coach was annoying and South Pacific. But you know what? Sure, maybe Coach was entertaining in Token Change, but he was a sanctimonious asshole. He was a dick. He wasn't just annoying. He was a dick. And, like, you know, yeah, sure, Tyson was rude to, like, Sierra and stuff, and Tyson was rightly put on the villain's tribe. But, like, he has this whole thing about his playing with honor and integrity, and I've never lied, and blah, 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 and he's saying all this to Sierra when she proved for a fact that he had lied. Like, it was evidence, not just, like, we see it, but, like, it was clear from what they were seeing. And so, no, sorry, you don't get to be a hero for that. You know, like, he's obviously a villain. That would, yeah, like, people started talking about that, that blew my mind. It's like, hey, he was set up as, like, the guy that was the hypocrite of the season and the yeah. ridiculous moron. Like, that was his role in Token Genius. That was the entertainment value he delivered. He wasn't a hero. Yeah, he Coach, obviously thinks he is. Yeah, Coach that's does think he's a hero, but that's why he's a villain. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And that's what is hilarious about it. And right. I, I might agree with you that this is my favorite coach because this is coach hoisted by his petard yes. from the very moment the season begins. The editors are having so much fun. Just like, I, I mean, they were obviously having fun with coach anyway, like in token teams, but now it's like, they know, they know what they're getting. They also know how long he's going to be around and they just, they have a great time and I have a great time. Everybody has a great time, except... And they don't need to lean on him for anything but 
watch this ridiculous asshole and see what we can do with him. Yeah, no, that one doesn't, you know, that one blows my mind that anyone would argue anything but him being a villain. And if you think he's going to be a hero, he doesn't crack that top five of those heroes over there. So he's not on the season. Um, the other one that people have talked about is poverty. And mm. apparently, you know, if you believe what right. people have said, Parvati was on the Heroes Tribe Tell they were like, hey, maybe we shouldn't put all the Black Widows together and moved her to the villains. For me, villains is the natural spot for her. Yeah. And I, I don't understand quite the argument and against. Um, do you? I'll let you voice it. It's tricky, because, um, you know, I love Parvati. Um, I love villains, so it doesn't bother right, me. Right? So it doesn't matter. Like, I, I was still fully rooting for her as a villain. Um it's completely, like, I totally get, like, oh, not wanting all the villains on, or that was stupid, not wanting all the Black Widows on the same track or whatever. It's interesting, like, I think people say it's weird because you have two people in the that same alliance on the heroes and she's mm-hmm. another villain. But I think if you also, if you look at their cryons, you know, they're, they're labeled as their first season, too. So that's yeah. one thing. Um, obviously they wouldn't cast Parvati, I think, on this season from, you know, she was cast because of Micronesia, uh, yeah. like, obviously. She but, was in uh, Micronesia because Candace dropped out. Yeah. And, you know, but, but, um, but yeah, like, you know, she was not a hero in Cook Islands, whereas Sari, easily a hero in Panama. Amanda, sure. <laughs> in, in China. Yeah, like, fine. It's fine. Um, she's not a villain. She's, neutral and was an important player. Mm-hmm. So sure. <laughs> but um so you know that I guess could maybe tip the scales for that one because they need to find like the female heroes. And I I mean, you know, I think she relished it a little more. Yeah, like Amanda so, was always the reluctant like, member of the Black Widows to the yeah. point where it's like, is she a Black Widow or was it like Alexis? And she just got taken out earlier. Yeah. Um so that's fine. And then, yeah, with Sari, it's just like, no, sorry, pa- pa- people fell in love with you in Panama, and nothing is going to change that perception of you, especially because you just have underdog elements always within, you know, your aura, even if you were, you know, Oprah in a gangster suit. Right. Um, like, they could plus, do heroes versus villains again, and she would still be a hero. Plus, with Sari, there weren't any real betrayals. Um, whereas, like, I mean, as much as we kind of look pretty stupid due to her machinations. Okay, yeah, but that was like, that was everyone, you know, whereas like I think Parvati with turning on Ozzy was like, they had a friendship from Cook Mm -hmm. Islands and so, I mean mean, Rob is a villain from All Stars for other reasons, but you know it's like that sort of vibe. Um, And then also from Marquesa, right? Like that's just, you know, that's the role that he plays is the Rob father, you know, sarcastic stuff, and hers is, you know... Godfather. And as ridiculous as it is one way or another, Parvati's role is, you know, the seductress, you know, uh, you know, that's kind of role. That's, yeah, obviously sells short what she's good at, but what she's good at is often, like, social manipulation, Mm -hmm. which, you know, isn't a heroic thing, as coded by Survivor, and frankly, their main audience, which is always the hard thing for people to remember, is that they don't really program for us. Yeah. We're, we're, toni- we're tuning in anyway. It's for the millions of other people who just like, oh, yeah, sure, it's on, cool. I like this show. And then they, you know, watch people shouting at suitcases or whatever they used to watch before. Um, 
So, yeah, no, I mean, Poverty's a villain. I have no problem with that. And, yeah, they just swap Candace and Sandra and everything would have been fine. But at the same time, uh, I love Sandra on the Villains Tribe, and I'm glad she wasn't wasted on that dour-ass Heroes Tribe. Plus, you think you wouldn't have Sandra and Courtney exactly. together, which is the greatest. Um but that doesn't come up yet, so we won't talk mm-hmm. about that too much. But you can bet we'll spend a, quite a bit of time, because that's the other reason why we chose this season, is um, both of our favorite players are on this season. Uh, mm-hmm. Rob with me, Courtney with you. Um, but yes, I'm like the one person on the internet that will admit that they you know, enjoy the work of Rob Mariano. Um, and then another reason is three people that we'll... Wait. That could be spoilers, but there are people that on this season that we might see again. That we have uh, an interest but, in. Yeah, yeah. So, very topical. If people they were that, ever to do another all return season. The way they played, it just, they changed everything. Yes. They just knew this game so well that they changed how it was played. So, uh, last thought on uh, heroes versus villains is just, uh, I think what Survivor does and what, you know, the effect that some people don't think about enough, although I think plenty of people do, is just by putting that theme, even if it's arbitrary and ridiculous to think of some people as heroes and some people as villains, the show has a way of getting its performers to buy in because they just hammer you over and over again with questions and themes and ideas. And I think it works really well in this season. Uh, with the heroes trying to be heroes and failing miserably, and the villains feeling like they have carte blanche to just do villainy things, which resulted in a lot of you know, exciting moves that, you know, frankly, would normally be considered dumb moves in some cases, and and some uh, that like, still are some that are incredibly dumb. <laughs> but you know, like getting rid of your strongest members in the middle. Who does that? Villains do. You know. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind for future named seasons that might seem to have ridiculous themes that might end up resulting in what the, the producers are looking for. I just hope that doesn't happen with Millennials versus Gen X, but that is a podcast for Yes, yeah, that's the one we can talk about uh, without worrying about spoiling people don't want yeah. that. That's the big worries and why I am already hating that season. Yeah. I will give it, I will completely give it a free shake once it starts, but I am not looking forward to all the confessionals about how, you know, this person five years younger than me is super entitled, whereas my generation really worked for what we wanted, even though that is not at all what people said about my generation when we were younger. No, it's like I get why it's not to get said. I get why it's not baby boomers because they are too old. But like, it makes no sense to be pitting Gen X against millennial. Like, oh, whatever. Bye. Well, I know, and maybe I'm also afraid that that this season is just going to tear the purple rock apart. <laughs> yeah. It is. It is amazing how perfectly split it is because we even have Matt like right on the edge. Yeah, well, it's Matt, he wouldn't get cast. You're like, sorry, you just don't fit into this, uh, you know, fairly narrow bucket. Yeah. All right. So, uh, but um, so we talked about who the odd fits in the theme, but you know. Is this the best cast ever assembled, 1 through 20? Yeah, probably. (laughs) Well, hey, when you call it like you see it, you're right, you're right. Yeah, Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think, without a doubt, that's the thing that really really struck me watching uh, the first episode in the intro. It's just like, man, these are the epic characters of Survivor, even more so than All-Stars, because that had only... 
what, six seasons to draw from? Seven seasons? Seven, yeah. I mean, at the time, those were the biggest names, but they hadn't been, you know, the the time hadn't been as long. Um, And, yeah, obviously it was pretty good then, but it ha- Heroes versus Villains hasn't been surpassed in the past since then. But I would say 1 through 20, yes, because tw- this is 20 better than ever before, but there is that 20th. And I think, you know, Danielle is a bit of the... the really and, her? I mean, that's the thing, because you... You know, that I think really shows that this is the best cast, because you, you know, asked, like, oh, who would be... Who would you, like, replace? Who would be people you'd want instead? And, you know, ignoring the impossibilities of your Colleen's, Elizabeth Hasselbeck's, etc. And especially, like, for the people who need replacing, your Danielle's and Candace, just because she's on the wrong tribe, couldn't come up with a lot. Couldn't really come up with anything. So, yeah, I was like, how do we just make it, like, all legends or closer to... Uh, and for me, it's, yeah, take out Danielle and put it in because the rest is okay. I think probably like Tyson or Randy are the you know the least big names uh, uh, in the season, but it's, Randy's pretty easily explainable. Like Gabon wasn't too long ago, and he was mm-hmm. the big villain. Um, and Ty- and Tyson definitely has recency bias because Token Teens was right before, so it's like okay, yeah. fine. Yeah, and like if they replace Tyson, and I understand because you already have Coach and JT, but I think he brought some athleticism, and they're obviously like mm-hmm. the names have been out there of who else like missed the boat, and everybody, yeah, yeah. There's, there's like 15 people that were the last member cut for Russell Hans, uh, and I'll say for each and every one of them. Yeah, you were cut for Russell Hans, and you would be cut for Russell Hans every single time. Uh, like yeah. Russell Hans is probably like the fourth or third or fourth biggest name on this cast. So yeah. sorry, Penner and um, Chain, um, but you know, like there's some names, but honestly, like for me, they're all about on the same level as Randy and Tyson. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's like Penner. We already have like you know a bunch of. We, there's like four other Micronesias. There's no room for you, Penner, uh, and stuff like that. But for Danielle, I, I did have some names. So the first one that really leapt out of me, and one thing when I was thinking of replacements is you don't need to find a villain because she isn't really one. Um, point was and you could just way. boot Candace over to the villain side and everything's fine. So you could pick a hero. Um, the one I thought would be uh, much more easily explainable is Danny from Guatemala. I did think of Danny. That was one person I thought of. But then the catch I thought of, and maybe why they wouldn't want to do it, other than you know, maybe asked and she said no, is uh, they're trying to get people to remember Steph as a hero. And right. if you have like, the person that, that she just got destroyed in the final two uh, for being awful to, because they basically act as though Guatemala Stephanie never happened, just as they yeah. act as though Guatemala never happened. To the point where like they just keep having James talk about how she lost all the time. It's like, yeah, yeah but there was also the time, you moron, where she went to the final two and she was in a majority tribe that like Pagong the other side. Do you yeah, remember that? but they probably didn't play, didn't give Guatemala, you know, in casting for them to watch ahead of time. You saying it's that James is not a James. deep historian of the game? Mm. I love James. I will defend James. James doesn't watch Survivor. Well, you would have defended James. We'll see how much you defend James this season. Uh, so I think that's that could be an explanation why no Danny. So then I thought yeah. of but you know, a winner. You just don't have to worry about that. Like even if she's not a huge high profile winner, as frankly Sandra was not uh, before the season started, uh, 
you would never say, yeah, the winner doesn't deserve to be there. Right. Um, and actually, one note I should say is while I'm spending this time trying to replace Danielle as the weak link, uh, wouldn't Danielle like be a titan compared to some of the people that are possibly coming back in the next season or oh. have been brought back since? Because, you know, she has, like, say what you will about Danielle, but she's got a personality, at least. Yeah, and she was, like, runner-up. Meanwhile, yeah. like, they're bringing back Monica Culpeppers and, like, Kelly Wentworth, who we loved, end up loving, but realized that she had, like, three scenes her season. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But that's what I'm saying about Heroes vs. Villains cast being so great that, like, a runner-up feels like, you know, it's the pretty girl that they threw in, which right. is you know what she is. Um, so I was thinking um, another runner-up that was probably a little bit more higher profile was Nalia. Hmm. Lord knows she would have said yes. Well, I'm guessing, though, at that time, she was starting to have babies. True. Good point. Good point. So we can take her out. Another winner uh, is Jenna Maraska, who is far more famous than Danielle. Yes, and you could you could put on the villains tribe just fine. See, that's that's the one catch. Is of course she's a villain. She was the bitchy girl who right, everybody hated when she won. Feel bad putting her as a villain given her last appearance. That's right. So last time we saw her, she leaves fairly heroically to you know, be at her mother's dying bedside. And while this is going on, she is at the side of Ethan while he's going through cancer. So it's like you can't really do it. And then also maybe that's why she couldn't do it, right? Right. Oh, yeah, when that was actually happening. Yeah, because that was, like, I was thinking of, like, heroic men to, like, replace, for. I, although I don't know who I was thinking of replacing. I think I was just kind of That's wondering who else could have been. I was like, well, there's Ethan. Oh, oh, wait, when was the? Oh, no. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah, like, the five hero men, it's like, those are the obvious ones. Those are, like, yeah. five of the most popular uh, ever, you know? Yeah. Like, so as much as I would have loved to have, you know, like Yule. Obviously, for one, Yule has probably always said no. Right, because Yule don't need Survivor. Yeah, but frankly, Yule I can't make the, the argument that they should have cast him over them, even though I would so much rather see him than, frankly, any of those five. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's me, and again, they don't cast the show for me. I'm watching... Yeah. Anyway, if the, Nicaragua didn't stop me from watching this show, nothing will. Um, so then, I, I know a name that was kicked around a lot, and uh, a lot of fans in our group was Nat- Natalie Bolton. Um, that, is the, under that is the one villainous woman I thought of, but I, I just, I can't imagine they wanted to add another Micronesia person, even though the appeal is there because she's original Micronesia, mm-hmm. she's not, but there's so many. Yeah, and not only things. Micronesia, but the fourth Black Widow. No. Right, like, I get it, like, I still think they need to, I, I would still like to see her brought back, mm-hmm. but yeah, that would have been insane, like, that yeah, would have been think- insane. I think that Natalie Bolton goes through that casting process in case one of those other three drop out. Mm-hmm. You don't add the, her as the fourth. Yeah. Uh, so then the name that I came up with that I think would have been more famous and possibly more interesting than Danny and would be an you know, easy one-for-one swap is Heidi. Oh, yeah. I mean, nobody would... The, yeah, Jenna, it's like, the same Jenna thing, yeah. Yeah. Without she, all the baggage. Of that season, famous... Yeah, Playboy cover model, the whole deal. Like, if That's they would have cast cool. Heidi, if they would have said Heidi was on this season of Survivor, would you have been like, who? You would know who she is instantly, right? I, I assume. I mean, it's it's hard to say what I would have remembered at that time. But. Right. But I'm pretty sure we knew who Jenna and Heidi was, because Survivor was a bigger deal then than it was in Panama, for instance. So, 
that's the one what if. And then if honestly, if you get to that point, I'm not all that shook up that Heidi was not on. So sure, Danielle. Wait, um, sorry, I'm just like curious now. Okay, so Heroes versus Villains was 2010. So she was already married to Cole Hamels at that point. So she probably would have been like, you know what? I'm good. It's not about the money. Maybe she just wants to do it for herself. She has to have her own project. The baseball season's long. Yeah, but then it's also probably like, you know, as the baseball wife, you have to be good and represent the team and rebel, rebel, rebel. What about Steph? Was she married to a baseball player at that time? I, I don't know if she was married to... Um, you know what? I think she... If she wasn't married to him yet, first of all, Kyle Kendricks is no Cole Hamels. Uh, Sorry, that is a joke that pretty much only Matt will get. But, um, That's all right. We are not above narrow casting at this point. Yeah, show. but, um, you know, I did actually have that in my notes because she is wearing a Phillies cap. And, I mean, for a while he was on the Phillies, so may- maybe. All right. So that's who I got. Uh, anybody in the comments below, if you want to uh, write in who you think would be a better selection at that point in time. Again, nobody who would not come. You know, yes, of course, Colleen would be huge. Uh, Elizabeth Hasselbeck. You can't even say Julie Berry. Sadly, she cannot. Yeah, um, and frankly, I would discount everybody in Samoa as well, especially since we know like Shambo has always said no. Right. Um, because I think this was the first time they went, like, extreme back-to-back. Right, uh, like, Rupert was technically back-to-back, but I think, you know... I, I think, think he had about at least had... a month or two. Like, Russell Hans had a week or whatever. And I know some of China had aired when Pearl Island... Or, no, that's Micronesia. not. Micronesia came out. Also, um, not to harbor on this too much, but um, I looked it up, and Stephanie and Kyle Hendricks got married in 2010, so it really depends on when. So at the very least, she was probably engaged. Yeah, maybe they had met at the pizza place. (laughs) That'll make sense to you first-time viewers once you get to the reunion. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So we kind of uh, talked about it a bit and the way that the theme worked out, but um, I just wanted to talk a bit about, like, just kind of the opening scene. That was epic as fuck, right? Mm Mm-hmm. That was so great. And, like, you know, just, I mean, I don't just mean, like, the helicopters or whatever. Survivor does helicopters all the time. But, yeah, just, and it kind of gets back to the discussion about the cast is, uh, like, you just go, wow, this are, like, these are the big names. And I, I think that's why it was great that they didn't just try to narrow it like they did with Micronesia, that, like, we're just right. doing Pearl Islands 2 or whatever. Uh, they reached back as far as Australia. Um, because, you know, I think they'd burn through the Borneo cast. Yeah, pretty much. Bad, bad ways. Uh, actually, that, that's one other name I did think of is Wigglesworth. I'm guessing she said no. Right, because she does at least claim that she had been asked multiple times, so. Yeah, and I believe I it. Assume that, yeah, I assume that's true, yeah. At this point, I think the show I don't think she's going to be asked back again. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was just like, yeah, we're getting, like, you know, Boston Rob, Poverty, Russell, Colby, Jen- Jerry, all this saying that. And then, you have the music swelling and the whole deal. It's just, like, it. it's hard to top that for just kind of just feelings, even if you're a jaded Survivor fan. Especially, I think, it's hard to say for, like, later viewer people who weren't always watching, like, no shade on not being someone who's been watching a show for 15 years. Like, obviously, 
obviously that I'm not trying not to alienate people, Andy. Obviously, like sometimes age is a factor there, or just like you you're know, hella young. Come on, come on. What's the excuse, folks? I don't care if you're younger I, I was than the show. Ten, you know, when it came out, like I could re- know that things were happening. I was like aware of stuff, but um, someone ten years younger than me could easily be watching this show, and so wasn't born then. But um, it's it's hard to I think really explain like the scope of what it what like when it was happening you know mm-hmm. if you weren't like someone who's fully experiencing it live and stuff it was just like there had there hadn't been a full all star season you know since season eight that's a pretty long time um, I mean I guess we waited similarly but there was only one half all stars season and only I mean Guatemala that's barely. You know, I mean, obviously, it's not and happening. even then, like that was all stars of like you know sixth place poverty and like right. yeah. like yeah, there was a so, few you know, Eliza, you know, like I mean, obviously these are names we liked, but these weren't the big names. Yeah, like this, this was because uh, yeah, Micronesia was also no winners and stuff like that. This mm-hmm. was a really big deal. Like I remember, like my mom and I being like really excited about it. I mean, there's a reason this is the season that a lot of people started getting back into the show. Yeah, and not was, not just that it was a really good season because that's not what gets you starting at the first episode. Yeah, and and it was in in high high def, so that's a big thing. Uh, yeah, no, I just it, I was jazzed just rewatching it this time, uh, just the even the intro, and then it kicks off with you know a pretty exciting challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I don't know. We don't really like, talk about challenges, but even no, within like, that challenge, it had a few like you know pretty uh, memorable moments. I think probably the most iconic is you know Sugar with the double guns. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, even like Steph dislocating her shoulder and Courtney yelling about it. Yeah. Well, that was before. I think before I was just like break her shoulder, and then oops, they almost did. Um, Rupert broke his toe. So uh, uh, ankle lock to Tom, which. Yeah, really? Like, well, that was a huge dick move. Like, it wasn't even doing anything. Yeah. And now that I know more, it's like Tom, like, permanently messed up his legs out on those freaking buoys. And so, and yeah. That, yeah, that, god damn, I hate Russell. But, and then, uh, <laughs> there will be plenty of time for that. Um, and then, and of course, because you won't stop hearing about that, Coach Frog Marching Colby to the mat. Um, but I oh, that brings us back to the intro and Colby's, you know, all the foreshadowing. It's like, uh, oh, I, I'm, I'm doing this to see if I still got it. I'm like, oh, honey. Oh. Right away. Yeah. Right away. Oh. They underline that and then they show us not so much. Stick to, to uh, Gillette commercials there, cowboy. Uh, yeah. Rob. It doesn't happen yet, but Rod's first confessional is similarly painful. He's like, you know, they should get rid of me right away. You know, they never do. Almost. (laughs) Not quite. Yeah, no. And again, that's that's the other thing about why this intro was so great. Um, And, you know, obviously our Ajic friends will tell us that they're all like this. They all, you know, underline and foreshadow what will happen. And uh, not to you know go back into that because again y'all were right, but um, it it uh, so much there, uh, so much. And that I think we'll you you scene. just don't get that same effect when it's not established characters, you know. Yeah. 
like we're rewatching and they're people you're already familiar with. So it's like you're watching the first time, you're like, yeah, it has been a decade since you last played Colby. Let's see if you've still got it. Yeah, you, know? you still look good. Yeah, I'm sure you could and be like, awesome. Like, yeah, although, Rob, I mean, I guess it wasn't right away in more cases, but it's not like they kept you around for a long time. <laughs> like, he dominated that first drive, though. Yeah. Last hunter. Yeah. Uh, we got a website that might talk about how that changed Survivor. I uh, it. Yes. Uh, that was me. But, uh, yeah, I just, just right up for the bat, the season is great. And um, then we get into the tribes, and so just a thought we had while discussing. That villain's tribe is so much fun. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, like, how much more fun would it have been without Russell Hans? And I don't mean this is like <laughs> Russell Hans ruined the season, because I actually think that he is a big reason why the season is one of the best of all time. Um, but he broke up, like, this glorious grouping of shit-talking villains. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the camaraderie. And so, Cause you can definitely see, you can see in little scenes and you can see sort of after the fact that like Courtney and Parvati, like totally, I think kind of connected and were like friendly and stuff like that. And then they were obviously on very different sides and stuff. So it's like, imagine if they all could just chill because all they have to do is get rid of Randy, you know, and then they're just hanging out like, cause they start winning and stuff and then they can just, you know, Instead of Tyson, they probably all just decide to get rid of Coach or Danielle or someone who just makes things unpleasant, and it's just great, and they just hang out. Yeah, and they probably would have kept winning, so they could have kept talking. Because, like, one of the best subplots running through the first three episodes, and maybe it's actually just in one episode, but it's so funny, is uh, the way that the Villains Tribe just keeps egging on Coach and Jerry for their showmance that really isn't. And it's totally for their own amusement, and I love it. It's a, and you know I will give Russell credit that he he totally is like in on that trolling game and like him and Parvati sort of teasing teasing Coach about it. It's like a couple of like high school kids like talking about like yeah I hear she likes you and like oh my god are you gonna ask her to prom? You totally should. Oh my god you guys would be so cute together. <laughs> and it's like Russell doing that like yeah you should go for it man. Uh, and it just totally feeds into you know coach's view of himself and he's probably just so excited like yeah people are finally seeing me as this guy and then on the other side like who wouldn't be yeah and then on the other side is yeah like courtney and i think sandra and stuff were like you know egging on jerry and it's just so funny and i love it and they all see it like they all it's like that moment when you just are totally like oh they're gonna do it even though I don't think it ever really got to that level at no. all. I think a lot like that. Yeah, there's probably a little bit of spark and more of it. It was just like an extension of what they were doing in their spare time when, you know, they weren't building shelters or anything like that. Cause, um, but it's just like teasing coach because yeah. another great scene in the uh, opener is when uh, Sandra and, and, and Rob are just like betting over whether he's going to break his neck going after the coconut. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, of course, I love that, you know, when he decides not to go up, it's not just like he didn't go up. He's like, I, I could have, you know, I could have. But if I had fallen, it wouldn't be worth it. I'm like, oh, so you thought you were going to fall. <laughs> yeah, it's just like that could have been uh, what the season was. And frankly, you know, it was probably better the way it ended up, at least in terms of, like, excitement and stuff. But there's just, like, it, it's just such a great collection of, of like, cynical smartasses on that tribe. Mm-hmm. And it was so much fun. And There are people. Yeah, exactly. It's And it was 
what shows is that how like the heroes versus villains dichotomy ended up working off in the opposite way. The villains tribe was the fun tribe, mm-hmm. even though yeah they weren't getting stuff done. Um, they didn't have the physical threats. Meanwhile, on the heroes tribe, not as much fun. Uh, this is because they're not fun. They're not funny people. Um, before we leave the villains tribe, though, uh, I would just want to kind of just kind of highlight a bit. And another reason why the season's great is the storytelling. And the first big story of the season is Russell versus Rob, and we started to get it right away. Uh, any observations? Yeah, I was like, that was a statement. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, yeah. Um, Usually how this works is I talk until like my voice gets so quiet and I stop talking, and John's like, okay, I can listen now and start talking again. Here's a chance. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's definitely, oh, like, I think Russell... Russell does not realize that everyone else not knowing who he is is the best thing that could have happened to him. Russell wants to be, you know, Russell should also realize that, I mean, I guess the season hasn't aired yet, so he doesn't know how, like, for sure how big of a character he is on Samoa. But, you know, Russell doesn't really, he's still going to get a lot of airtime. He's still going to be considered one of the stars. But Russell wants them to think he's a star, you know, and they don't know who the fuck he is. So he does it, and he's like, you know, I'm not, I'm the king of Survivor, like, Rob's not the king of Survivor, and Rob, although little, little does Russell know, he did not win Samoa, so really, he and Rob are at similar levels at that time, but, um, in fact, I think Rob probably got one more vote with fewer jury members, so. Yeah, he lost and, one vote. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, he just, he feels like everyone's stealing his shine, even because nobody knows who he is, but he's still getting plenty of shine. He just can't see it yet. Yeah, and uh, that is an actual fun part at this part of the season. Um, that is a little bittersweet eventually, is that, yeah, you just see him bristling. Like, why are these, you know, if any saying it at first, like, it's great that I'm finally playing with people who know how to play the game. Yeah. He's not just saying it in front of them, like he says it in confessionals too, but then you feel it bristle. Like, why isn't everything about me? I'm Russell. I'm Russell Hands. You know? He is so jealous that Coach has a crush on Rob. Oh, and I love the Coach crush on Rob. <laughs> like We're going to double into that more in later episodes. But Coach has a bigger crush on Rob than he does on Jerry. And Ru- Russell is not having it. I don't know why Russell expects anyone to have a crush on him, but everyone, but everyone, everyone yeah. including Parvati. It's like, it's like, Russell, sweetie, Parvati doesn't actually, <laughs> that's just how she is with everyone. And he will never figure that one out no. uh, because she is awesome at this and he is something else. Uh, but yeah, and uh, the, the foreshadowing is there and I'll, flat out admit right now that as Heroes vs. Villains was airing, I was pissed when Russell won uh, this battle. Uh, And not just because it meant Rob was going home, because frankly, I did not have great expectations for Rob because of what happened in All-Stars. I figured he'd Mm. be too big a threat. Uh, In fact, as the season went on, I'm like, what, is he really going to do this? And we'll talk more about Rob in the coming episodes, but it was more just that Russell won, and it bothered me. Mm -hmm. But it turns out that he won one battle, 
And the story of the season isn't so much about that. And so it actually turned out to be a very great season. As a result, probably better that Russell moved on to lose later than necessarily, you know, Rob frog marching to the end. Um, Cause we've seen that up the season and people don't love it. Yeah. Uh, not even I uh, love that one. So yeah, I, the foreshadowing's there and that's a story we are going to track for the next two episodes until it is um, not the story anymore. Um, Another thing I, I love uh, at the Villains Camp, it just kind of like shows how you know, fun they are, just kind of the dynamic. And, you know, what goes into this is, you know, when Jealous Russell decides that he's going to you know, enact his, you know, trademark chaos that can never lose Survivor yeah. and hides the machete. Yeah, and he just doesn't care. Nobody cares. <laughs> He's like, they're going to lose their minds when this happens. And what if I'm going to take his B cap? And uh, they just laugh about it because they're villains. They don't care. Also, it led to Russell talking, praising the Houston Astros in 2010. But, you know. But they're going to dominate the National League forever. <laughs> <laughs> See, now More we're narrow casting for him. That's right. Yeah, no, 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 no. I think we've got like seven or eight baseball fans, so we're good there. Um, good. I, I can't imagine any of them are Houston Astros fans, but hey, maybe let us know. Um, yeah. Certainly not as many as Boston Red Sox, although yeah, maybe I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if we also do not have Boston Red Sox fans because yeah, I don't um, know. Do we have anyone from Massachusetts? Well, we don't have a lot of asshole fans, so that's uh, probably. Oh uh... yeah, there it is. Um, so let's, let's go to the other uh, other side and the heroes, which... Um, do they have to? We do, because, you know, they took, a lot, fun. they took a lot of L's in these two episodes, and frankly, it's kind of a good look for them. Yeah, um, well, where where do you want to, where do you want to start, you know, with their obvious first vote, or... Uh, well, let's just talk in general, um... So they construct a great camp. They're the great workers. They're the workers. They of, sure do catch some ki- some chickens. I will. That's right. That. It wasn't quite a top ten chicken moment. No, but it, not. Was, uh, it, it happened, and you know, good for them. And then they just like fall apart immediately, and it's um, it's fun for me. The fall of the heroes from their elevated perch of we are the awesome honorable people is one of the uh, small pleasures of heroes versus villains because. The entire hypocrisy of the idea that we are the people that don't betray people has always bothered me about Survivor. And you know, frankly, when you do a Heroes versus Villain season, maybe a worry is that they're just going to reinforce that. But the game has other plans, man. And yep. everybody gets their hands dirty. Pure sweet JT. Yeah, and I think JT went in there like, you know, I'm going to prove to everybody that uh, I was also the brains of the operation. Right. And, um, uh, so, like, he... I think what we really proved is that JT and Steven need each other. That's right. Because the other day, I think after this season, people are like, oh, not so smart after all. Maybe James... And then and then Stephen comes back, and it's like, yeah, no, I think you guys are a hybrid. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's... um, You know what? It's been too long since I took biology, but, you know. Yeah. If they were running, like, uh, campaigns, JT's the candidate. And he's going to be able to get the votes. But Stephen is the, you know, he's the, the campaign manager. He's, he's the guy that ends up being the chief of staff. He is yeah. just as integral to the success, but you're not going to get those votes. Yeah. Um, um, one, one thing that sort of 
mirrors in a sense the heroes thing and Russell being being um, jealous of Rob is that you see you see Rupert suddenly just really hates Stephanie just really anti Stephanie and I was wondering like I had in my notes like is he and like then Stephanie even realizes it herself is like. Is she just mad that I like became like the big deal like right after you know his season? I was like, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah easily. Yeah, yeah, uh, okay. yeah. <laughs> That's what happened. Yeah, no, Rupert has to be the fan favorite, and yeah. you know. Can, can you imagine if Ozzy had been there? Well, I think that's actually interesting. Where would Ozzy be? I guess. After- Micronesia, a hero? Oh, Parvati is. Even though he was like a douchebag, so. Because well, we everybody forgets what a giant douche he was at the beginning of Cook Islands. Yeah, I, I know, it's true. Um, but I mean, Stephanie was still a hero after Guatemala. Yeah. So, so yeah, Ozzy would have been there, but it, it's the fun thing about. dating. I doubt it. I doubt that lasted that long. Um, and, and Barbara Anderson will have to tell us in the comments. Yes. I know it lasted outside of Micronesia, but I don't yes. know how long. But, yeah, the heroes just, uh, they take, you know, they get all excited about, did they win the opening challenge? They did. Yes. They, yes. Um, despite all their injuries and lost articles of clothing, they won the opening challenge. Right, which... Yeah, you know, basically, you know, spoiler alert, but the theme of the challenges are when it was muscle-based, the heroes won, and anything that wasn't, they lost uh, until the villains, you know, decided winning wasn't all that important. Um, Because they won when there were puzzles because they had Rob, and Rob is good at puzzles, and then... They didn't, and they didn't. Um, But yeah, and... So, yeah, they won that one, and they were all, you know, all excited. And then they take one loss, and they just completely fall apart. And I think what happened a lot on the Heroes Tribe is that was the tribe that had the bigger pre-gaming going on. Mm-hmm. Or at least yeah. if you're listening to Stephanie before and after. That's what was happening. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we certainly... There's one particular instance that I knew nothing about until talking to you, actually. Which yes. blew my goddamn mind, but I don't know how much we want to reference that. So, oh, I think we'll get into it when we get into the booths. But you know, it's another example of uh, no matter how far you take pre-gaming, it often don't work. Uh, but you know, obviously, you had the um, you know the Amanda James, uh, right? Plus Sari as a you know at least somebody they could work with, and I think that's what. Meanwhile, like Tom, Stephanie, Colby really didn't do any, not just pre-gaming, like possibly going out there, but they didn't, it weren't involved in the survivor community. And actually yeah, this is Col- a question Col- I had for you. How many people on this season do you think Colby had heard of? Um, Jerry. Uh, so Jerry, um, obviously. Jerry and Rob. Rob, Rupert, because they Rupert. Rupert and Robert were on All-Stars with him. They were on he, All-Stars. He might not know Maybe. Rupert's name, but he recognizes him. Maybe Sandra because of Rupert. Yeah, and just like he was vaguely aware of Survivor back then. Maybe like he would watch it at Probe's house back then or something like that. Mm -hmm. But that's the entire list. Like when he's talking to Candace about like sussing out who's on who, he has no idea who Candace is. And like poor, poor Candace is only, she's like, 
say what you will, like, I was not someone who liked Candace, but Candace is a fan. Candace watches the show. Mm. And um, so Candace, she's talking about these people. She's only talking because she knows the show. Like, she's like, you know, she's saying people who know each other because they're seasons. And then he's trying to find out the social dynamics, like, outside. She's like, I mean, I don't, like, know them. Because Candace was, like, in medical school, you know? She didn't have, she probably, she might still talk to Parvati, but, like, she didn't have time for that, for that nonsense, you know? But, like, sorry that if you could hear. they're a high-speed chase in Los Angeles. Always, when is there not? Um, yeah, sorry about that. Um, but yeah, like she, you know, she was in medical school. She pushed back her wedding to go in Heroes vs. Villains. So she obviously had like a very, like, she was living her life, man. Like, she's not going I, to I just love that scene because there's no way Colby knows who most of these people are. He, he has no idea who James is. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I think that's the, the where they started from behind is that they had no connections and the heroes I think were very much ruled by previous games and like this is their pre-gaming yeah. whereas I don't get that impression with the villains I, you know there's the rumors that you know Parvati was told about Russell um, but obviously they didn't ever talk about it because right. he, was, he was busy um, and <laughs> you know, all the other things that go down there like it's, it very much feels like you know Rob and Tyson met for the first time um, so Another strike, I think, against the value of pre-gaming, uh, which, okay, this can lead into uh, the first discussion of the boot. Uh, sugar, did, her pre-gaming didn't really work all that well. No. No, it did not. No, it did not. Uh, so, like, uh, I mean... You know, I, I'm just going to let Barbara Anderson uh, say it in the comments. We don't need to talk about it. Because, so like, the thing is, it's like, what happened after she gets voted out is, like, too, and, like, I don't want to make fun of that, so... Like, it's, yes. you know, oh my god. I can close my window, but I don't know how much that's going to cover. <laughs> and here I am wearing headphones to prevent feedback. Uh, yeah, this is, um, I can't control the streets, Andy. <laughs> but you don't put a sign out? Like, I have right on my door, do not come in. Unfortunately, the people that would come in can't read that well. Um, but I think they're that. asleep. Uh, but yeah, so Sugar, at um, first glance, super obvious boot. She right. is the misfit of that tribe. And frankly, um, even for herself, it's like, yeah, I probably shouldn't be here. Uh, yeah. And then obviously things that happen afterwards really underline that fact. Um, right. That's, I think, the one we can reliably say. She did not hang around Ponderoso, we'll say. Yeah. Uh, and for good reason. Yeah. And I'm, I you know, when we were discussing earlier, I have no problem with her being cast. Sugar was a big deal right. coming out of Gabon, which was a fairly recent season. But the other time, well, but now that we know in retrospect, was that Tom and Steph and Colby's last chance at being able to do something in this game? Well, I'm trying to think. I mean, sure, if they get Sugar. Yeah, like, because clearly, because they, they're all, everyone's like, yeah, obviously, Sugar. Like, Duh. And then, um. And honestly, I'll, the person really leading that charge seemed to be Colby, so. Yeah. And then, um. Yeah, so it's like, oh, well, yeah, because Colby hasn't watched Survivor in forever, so it's like, oh, the, like, not physically strong outcast? Yeah, for Spoon. And the oh. one that's, like, pushing up against me in the shelter every night? Yeah. I just want to sleep. I ain't no Hershey bar. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought I was done with that. But, um. 
but yeah, and then and then Stephanie's like, wait, you know, this is this is too easy. We should we should strike. We should vote Amanda. And then that side is like, oh, we should do Stephanie. And obviously, people like talk. They ended up talking amongst themselves because then they all vote for Sugar anyway. So yeah. that must have you know they just punted that one. Look, Here's I made a dynamic. Uh, the heroes, of course, it's like it's got to be one of these three women. It can't be anybody but a woman. We would never right. consider voting out the the super old pirate with a broken toe. It has to be a woman. Uh, meanwhile, the villains did not vote out a woman first. They discussed it, and we'll discuss that that wasn't a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Their, their reasonings for voting out were very different. Yes. Uh, or for thinking about voting her out were very different. And it comes out every time she plays. But um, yeah, I'm trying to think, though. I mean, okay, so if they get sugar on their side, that's four. What do I mean? Obviously, she didn't have that much pull with JT. So, like, maybe they can get Candace, but like, I don't know. Like, somehow Candace ends up like linking with Sari. I'm not really sure how that pairing happens, but it does. And Sari is clearly, you know, Amanda and James, who have been playing with each other every time they've played. Yeah, and like it's never worked out for James, but that guy he just doesn't hold a grudge. And I, I suppose like Micronesia, one Amanda did not vote him out, and it sounds no like she did. Yeah, exactly. And it seems like she didn't want to, but I think mm-hmm. she would have. Oh, um, there's no. And then obviously, like yeah, she was one of party to the people who made him to be a complete fool in China. But no, let's do it again. Let's run it back. Me and you and Amanda. We're, this is the third time it's going to work. Uh, yeah, ultimately, like. It would have been preferential to get rid of somebody on the other side and keep somebody who was not a threat to them, especially in the way that things work out. Uh, but the votes just weren't there. Um, uh, JT, I don't think, was interested in keeping Sugar, obviously. And like I said, Colby wasn't um, because Colby is not a strategist uh, in modern Survivor terms. I think the idea that Colby did not play a strategic game in Australia is overwrought. I think he actually did. It's just a completely different type of strategy that is no longer valid. Um, but yeah, I mean, sugar, it was just going to be sugar. And yeah. I think where they, if they had a chance later, it wasn't that. Um, actually, so we've talked a bit about how JT was a decision maker in that and danced around the fun rumors that you can look up for yourself. I, I, I say, I don't even know it's fun really, but it's a, it's a, it's a nugget of trivia that we know. Um, and then he's, a, you know, the decision maker again in the next vote, or at least positioned as it, and even more so in that challenge. J- it's JT. He's done this before. He's going to yeah. lead us to victory. Um, and obviously when it doesn't go down, Steph takes all the heat for talking. But, like, did, J- did, you, did JT actually try to lead them in that challenge? Because I don't really remember him saying much that they were talking over yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, it's like, it's hard for me to focus that much on a challenge that I've seen before and know the result of, because it's hard for me to focus on the cha- team, especially challenges anyway. Um, maybe, maybe not. Yeah, it's just like, you keep saying like, oh, JT's a decision maker, and it seems like his deal right now is I want to avoid making a decision. And I'll say like, that's probably where the sugar vote even became easier. He wasn't forced into a corner. And he could still play both sides. And I think that's actually astute for him. Mm-hmm. The longer he can be uh, undeclared, the you know, more things could break his way. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, losing that first one, the heroes might also think that they're not go ahead, going to go ahead and lose 
like most of the next ones. Right. So he, he could have maybe, you know, maybe we're not going to tribal council again for three times. Nobody needs to know what side I'm on and I could pick a side with more data, but uh, he just doesn't ever really seem to be much of a decision maker so much as uh, I better do what's over here. And we never really get why JT is deciding one way or another. So it's kind of a weird edit of showing like he's the swing vote. He gets to decide, but we're not that invested in what he decides. And I'm guessing some of that either, you know, it's just not there or, you know, once JT finally makes a decision this season, <laughs> it's not go so well. But yeah. I was just saying this, in the challenge, I always felt it was more than unfair, the heat that Stephanie took. And obviously, uh, well, we'll get into that right now. But it's not just that, like, James was an asshole. It's like, I don't think JT was doing anything. And I think if she started saying something, it was because they were just kind of standing around doing nothing. And in the absence, yeah, I think that Stephanie did try to step up uh, because the heroes stuck at this. Maybe JT was like only his giving directions, but it was only in Southern. And so only James can understand him. That's right. And he mumbled it and we're good old running boys. And that's right. This is going to be a season of really terrible accents for me. Congratulations, everybody. I bet you're excited about that. <laughs> He's so bad at them. Um, well, because in Canada we don't have accents. There's just a, it's, a, it's just a flat tone. Absolutely, there's nothing I say that sounds funny to a non-native ear. Um, uh, let's talk a bit about James. All right. Um, I mean, I'm probably going to be a bit on an island here. I mean, he was not being nice, okay? But I think a lot of this, like, ah, James with the heel turn is, like, a little overblown because it's just, like, yeah, he was not being nice. He was yelling, but it was like the yelling stuff was not particularly cruel, or like in terms of like what the content is. And I think a lot of it is just sort of like you know frustration with what's happening and stuff. And you know she's in the other line. like you know that it's a sticking point for me when someone says starts saying bullying and when like Tom and like grown men you know say that that James talking about this was, like, bullying, it just struck me as odd. Like, I was like, yeah, sure, he's, like, yelling, but it wasn't like, you know, you are a bad person and, like, do not believe. It was like, yeah, you're not listening and you lose a lot and stuff. I don't know. And then something, like, in the next episode when Tom described it as, like, brutish kind of, like, made me wince a little bit. It seemed, like, just, like, a loaded word. Yeah, and I say, uh, um, two sides there. For one, um, when I was watching these episodes, I still was reminded that I, I love Tom Westman. I love him. He's great. Uh, I like some of what he was saying, but I do think there was probably some coded language there. And uh, I don't shockingly think, from a, you know, a New York firefighter. And I will say, I don't think it's, and I think this is true of like people in the room, I don't think it's necessarily something he realizes. No. Code, you know, because that's, that's what I think, that's the whole discussion. But like, I think that like a lot of people, they just don't know. They just don't know that that's, like, a thing, and you don't know what's, like, been ingrained in you. But, yeah, it was just, like, like I mean, he is this, like, huge guy, but there's still just, like, oh, uh, this, you know, guy I'm picking on the girl and stuff like that. Yeah. It was, it was, it was and obviously we're dancing around it because nobody uh, wants more to hear about, like, uh, racial politics from two of the whitest people you see on YouTube outside right. of Sweden. You know, um but yeah, there's that. But it, I mean, it's also a huge man, and he's a huge man yeah. bearing down on you know a younger woman. And I do think 
you know, and I, I understand your sensitivity that like anytime anybody does something negative to anybody that they is feeling like underdogish on Survivor, the bully, you know, word starts coming out. But if people are live on the ground are are remarking upon it, I, I give that a little bit more credence because obviously they're seeing more. And I think it is a stance, and it's it's uh, some of it is, uh, is the standard issue Survivor social dynamics of James was it. You know, he has the bigger alliance. She is outside of his alliance. So he has the power to berate her. And as Stephanie even mentions it, she can't defend herself that much because she's walking on eggshells trying to save herself. And that's where bullying comes in, right? He has more social power, and he is using that to make somebody else feel smaller. And, I mean, obviously some of this is Survivor, and Survivor, as much as we love it, is inherently unnice in some areas, is that I'm going to form a group of people to uh, vote out people outside of my group, and I will find the reasons to do so, even if they're bullshit. Because... I have to. I have to vote you out, and human beings feel better about doing those things when they have justifications. So, yeah, I absolutely think that's some of what was going on in James, but I also do think that this was the beginning of the fall of James, which I do believe is a story throughout, whether legitimate or not, but, like, Jeff Probst was remarking on it. Yeah, and And there is, I mean, I think there's also there's probably the sense that that what we've seen recently was on such a different level that now it it's like it's like how even Jerry remarks in the beginning how like she was seen as this evil villain and now it's like totally tape and sort of it's you know and that was you know 18 seasons prior but like this you know maybe it's like well after you hear someone being told they have no soul saying you lose a lot of challenges <laughs> like yeah. doesn't seem so bad and something I'll say actually even against my own perception is there's probably the sense of like you know, that Stephanie is this tough, you know, this tough chick, and so she can handle it, but, like, you still shouldn't talk to people just because they seem tougher, and she's not, like, petite or anything. Yeah, and more than that, like, you know, he was, you know, very aggressive language. Like, obviously, later when he's talking to people, and he's doing his James thing where he finds, like, one, like, one semi-clever thing, and he just keeps repeating it over and over again. She loves every single time. Nobody in the history, exactly. That, that's exactly what I was getting at. And this time, it was like, nobody in the history ever been there and she's the only one she's the only one another great great impression by me my god I do I do feel like I'm like oh James that's such a flawed argument like because she was obviously viewed as the best of that one yeah and also maybe everyone else sucked she was the runner-up in her next season like she's done far better survivor than you ever have James um but uh James has never won an individual challenge you know who has Courtney. And I believe Stephanie, maybe. I don't yes, know. but I would. Guatemala. I just want to say yes. that Courtney. Yes, of course, Courtney. Uh, Courtney won. Courtney. Courtney, Courtney. Uh, so that, but like he told her to shut up, you know, very aggressively. And that, that's something. And then uh, more in the fall of James and how, because I, you know, James is awesome in China. Delightful yes. presence. Even when he gets voted out, he's still a lot of fun on the jury. Yes. Micronesia, he was still pretty good. You know, he got a little smug at times, which is what tends to happen when people are in good positions. And then when he fell and was in a bad position, maybe he said a few things that were, you know, sexual politics, not great. But honestly, he was a guy who was trying to come to terms with the fact that he was about to lose again. Yeah. So, and then again, he's delightful on the jury. But here, not so much. And the other thing besides the way he, you know, just constantly berated um, Stephanie was uh, his performance in the challenge against Randy. Yeah, like, it's like, it's, it's, because, like, 
the actual act, I think, is like, you know, it's like, I mean, it's such a... Oh, he finished why, them off quickly. That's, that's easy. Fine. Why did they even match them up? I'm not sure. The I, actual, have, I have an answer for that, but I'll let you finish. Okay, but like, and so you see, you know, like everyone knows, like honestly, if I were Randy, I would have just like jumped off. Like, why? Why bother? They were losing so badly anyway, too, at that point, that there was really just not, but like... If the chronology of the edit is to correct right true and it could be true but like you know the the just and even though you know it's coming the like quickness of the knock of the thing is like so sudden that it i just like burst out laughing because it's just like shocking it's just like ah. but yeah it's like you don't you don't need to throw it down yeah on when that. he spikes it in his face and then taunts him afterwards yeah. that is a continuation of jane no more mr nice guy james and yeah. you know maybe I being wonder- humiliated on survivor past I can understand makes you want to be that. And it's also kind of the fun uh, getting back to the theme. You know, we're not here to be heroes anymore, perhaps unless I'm Rupert. I'm always here to be what you want me to be. Um, Even if it means being the same blood as my wife. That's right. Uh, Yeah. I don't know the testing methods back then, but, uh, but yeah, this is just, that's just a jerk move. Now on to the, why Randy faced off again. That was Randy's idea. They recognize anybody who faces James is going to lose anyway. And probably anybody Randy faces is going to lose, so consolidate those into one L. That's actually really smart. That's actually a really smart strategy. Which, I mean, further, so I'm like, then don't, like, that sounds up, but like, you know, don't why even try smack talking? Like, just jump off. <laughs> That's Randy being Randy, and yeah. probably the villains like, being villains. It's and this is this is probably a little unfair, and we have no evidence of it. But like, given the because we did already see James acting like a jerk, so it could totally have just been James acting like a jerk. But my own prejudice against Randy, as a because we are not Gabon fans, we do not find Randy charming even now. Like. Sorry, I don't. I think he's a dick. But, um, like, I, it, in the back of my head, I wonder, it's like, what else was said? Like, did he, you know, could he have said something that, like, made him want to do that? Like, but, you know, he very easily might not have. And he was just being, and James is just being a jerk. Like, I yeah. have no idea. You know, I've no yeah, idea. Uh, and obviously we don't. But just from the edit, you just, there's this, the continuation of aggro James. Right. Uh, James... Because in China, he wasn't part of the main group right away. Like mm. kind of, he fell into that once Aaron was taken out, and uh, Todd started to wonder and gave him a couple idols, right? Um, in Micronesia, yeah, he was part of the big group, but you know, mm. he was just kind of there, you know. And honestly, the other side wasn't a challenge anyway. Right. This is the first time James is taking control right away, and it ends up not being a good look for him and I don't think it ever gets any better and we'll discuss some of it later even though you know he does have one of the better lines of the season so that's a story worth tracking um yeah uh so, Although, well, if, I, if we can have a quick moment of positivity from James is is when they're killing the chickens. And I know this is a funny 115 entry, but, like, you know, JT's killing the chicken or something. He just has this confessional about how it reminds him of his, his grandma used to do things just like that. And she was just shaking chicken. We would all scream. And, you know, good times. It was yeah, traumatic, but good times. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what it, uh, set James off. It's like, yeah, yeah. there should have been a trigger warning before yeah. uh, which is a term that you know I'm sure people will be throwing into confessionals in snide ways next okay. season uh, so well. moving on to the next boot Stephanie goes uh, 
And there's the question. So we already discussed how like saving sugar to use for their alliance was not really an option. Is there anything she could have done to save herself? Persephone, I mean, I think, you know, probably if, like, maybe from the beginning, figure out that Candace doesn't know anyone and, like, bond with her as, like, an athletic female, you know, like, of probably roughly the same age. I don't know how, you know, but I feel like they're probably, they were probably both at least in their 20s. Yeah, they'd probably be on the same generation tribe at the very least. (laughs) God damn it. <laughs> but, you know, like, and she's someone, you know, who's on the outside there. And, like, I mean, three, that's hard to say if they'd be able to pull because, again, they need the amount, the right amount of people. But, or if she could convince them, like, why get rid of, you know, why not get rid of Colby or Rupert? Like, who is Rupert with? So Rupert seemed to be immediately with James and Amanda. Yeah, I guess. Like, so it's like, how did that happen? Really isn't. Yeah, and I, I think <laughs> maybe there was... Sounds like there might have been some pre-gaming there. Yeah. Uh, people can let us know in the comments that follow that a little bit more, but I think Amanda might have been a little more aggressive with that sort of thing. It's actually yeah. funny, a little uh, t- side note, uh, and you probably maybe heard this from Randy's R- you know, RJP, that like his pre-gaming was with like a bunch of people who were never cast, you know? It's like 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 Ace apparently was in casting or whatever. So Which yeah. also don't pre-game with the people who were on your season. Yeah, I think he's like he's looking like Marcus and Ace. It's like you should have those guys in the bag. Yeah. yeah. But like, you know, I if you're missing Tom or Granny, who else are you calling, really? Right. You know, who's taking your call? But, like, you know, because, like, I doubt Amanda did any pre-gaming with James besides, like, oh, my God, yay, we get to play together again. Cool. Yeah. Um, but like, uh, Stay tight. <laughs> I think what Stephanie maybe could have done, who knows, success or fail, but we didn't really see this, is we did see her approaching Candace and Suri, you know, like, at the last minute. Mm-hmm. Usually unsuccessful, but it's, yeah, the editor is at least to be believed. Those two were at least taking phone calls, you know, in yeah. free agents parlance if they weren't actually shopping around. But both her and Tom just did terrible jobs with the cell. Mm-hmm. And it's just the classic thing of, hey, you, instead of being at the bottom of that alliance, how about you come on over to ours and be at the bottom of ours, you know? Yeah. At that point, like, what you need to do, if you're Stephanie or if you're Tom, and I'm not going to bother mentioning Colby because that's a dead end, uh, is sell out the other two. And it's like, hey, why don't we make a final three-pack? Or, you know, even better, the person I'm talking to now, me and you, final two. You don't need to worry about hanging on the end of Amanda and James and Rupert. And I Let's wonder... do this thing. Let's run this. Because... I think people have done this in the past. They did it in Micronesia where they, you know, approached Suri with thinking that she'll be happy enough at fifth place. And that's not Suri. She's not. Suri wants to win. Yeah. And I think if you offer her a real solid finals deal, because I don't think the other side gave her that, um, she would have flipped. But if not, she's like, yeah, you know, the man's not taking her to the end. She literally knows that. (laughs) She didn't. Um, so that's what they should have done. Either Stephanie or Tom should have been approaching them as we need to run this tribe, not join me and these other two lizards. It's like you count those guys up and let's take out a man, one of Amanda and James. They're the, the, the dangerous power duo. That's and I think that could have had some success. Is um, Do you think they were wrong in choosing them. Like, I get why they figured Amanda, although it was weird for them to be like, yeah, if, if we're doing a weaker person, it should clearly be Amanda. And I'm like, 
Amanda like wins challenge, like wins like yeah. a good amount. Of- Rupert. Yeah, I, like pick someone that's and also not just that, like the weak thing, and like you don't want to tell Candace and Sari that you're targeting the weaker player, like physically weaker players, first of all. But like, even if Sari was pulling the like, hey, she didn't take me to the end. I'm not necessarily with Amanda. Like maybe target someone she doesn't know as well, you know? And, like, someone who isn't in, say, Candace's demographic. And Candace, who watches the show, knows that Parvati, who she, I mean, I don't know if they kept in touch, but, like, she was friends with Parvati on Cook Islands, mm-hmm. knows that Parvati is friends with Amanda. Like, she might be thinking ahead of that being, like, a connection, you know? So they target someone none of them are close to. And, like, Rupert has a goddamn broken toe. <laughs> Yeah. Or, or the thing is, yeah, the thing you always do. Who do you want? Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, let's us three form a final three. Colby and Steph can, if I'm Tom, for instance, right. Colby and Steph can just be our, you know, fourth or fifth. Like, they're not any use to me right now. I need your help. How can I be part of you? And actually, sorry, this is probably even be easier for Steph to make that argument because it's like, us three <laughs> women. Those guys are, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um. And they didn't do that. They were like, yeah, they were doing their dunderheaded heroes thing. Like, we're going to play honorably, and what you want to be with us? Because it, I think if you get those, you also get JT. Like, JT right. isn't loyal to that side. He's just not going to stick his neck out. Um, and I, I will say, like, their arguments, like, if it, it's going to be Steph this time, and it's going to be you and you, that's also, like, insulting. Like, oh, yeah. it's clearly you guys are going to be next because you're weaker. And I think yeah. as soon as you approach Cherie with that, she's out. And, like, that's what happened in Micronesia, where Penner and Yao Man are all like, no, no, join with us. Be the R, you know, fifth. Uh, and, uh, it's kind of funny, though, that, um, you know, they weren't wrong about right. Suri. But... I, did, I did have an, I was like, well, she has that going for her, at least. <laughs> yeah, so they were right. You were the next out, but, you know, obviously through uh, different means. Right. Uh all right, and then the last vote out of the um, episode, in this or these episodes, first time the villains go to tribal council, and it's Randy. And first instinct is is, is obvious as the heroes. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, let's pour one out. Uh, uh, the the Gabon rewatch ends now. Um, yeah. <laughs> the epilogue is over, and none too soon. Uh, however, unlike the sugar thing, where I just think it was a non-starter, the votes weren't there. I kind of think, and I've thought this for a long time, that voting out Randy might have cost Rob the game. Yeah, no, I, I think that's, I mean, it's the same thing, like, in Micronesia, Penner was like, which how, I guess, he must have just seen something on Cook Islands, like, playing with her, because there was no game evidence there, but was like, Parvati, you know, can't, not even, like, can't trust her, but, like, she's too good, you know, she's a threat, we gotta get rid of her. Now they have that evidence of Parvati, you know, like, yeah. real concrete evidence, and Coach of All People actually really lays out why Parvati is good and not in the, like, oh, she's flirtatious. Like, it's mentioned in a way, but, like, he describes it in a way that it's not even really, like, sexual flirtation. It's just, like, a way that because she's a woman talking to a guy, it'll be perceived that way. But it's just that, you know, she's charming. She makes you feel good just by talking to her, you know. Yeah, I think Coach's read was the exact right read on Parvati and, like, everything that I've heard about her. 
from former survivors. When you are with Parvati, she makes you feel like you're... uh, It's kind of like what people would say about Bill Clinton and stuff. Like, you're the only person in the room. You feel better just being around it, and that is dangerous. Uh, It's actually the thing about Coach. Every once in a while when he drops the Coach bullshit, he is actually really perceptive, and we saw that throughout South Pacific. He just could never get away from himself, and that's why he lost. Right. Um, Like... I mean, with with poverty, like I've mentioned this to you guys, like privately, like I think when it actually happened. But like many years ago, when I was working at this bakery, you know, she came in and was like, and I like talked, but like, oh, like I really, you know, I was really rooting for you, and here's this villain. So I'm a big Survivor fan, you know, and like she was like so nice, and like she actually because our shirts had these awful puns on them that I hated, and so she's like, oh, my friend would love this. Like, can I? Like, she took a picture of me, like, <laughs> like this thing, and like it's just like, oh, poverty is here, shine starry eyes, you know. Yeah. And, like, that's what people say, like, oh, social game, and she's a great social gamer, and absolutely she is, but it's just, like, it's her natural charisma. That's what people are responding to. I don't know. Yeah, and I think she's also very strategic, so she knows how to use that, both in Survivor and life. And, yeah, probes, because he's not a deep thinker in the world, always trying to bring that down to, like, you know, the tempsters, the sexual level, but that's not it. And Coach totally called it. Yeah. And, you, and who else called it was Randy, who basically, uh, in his uh, confessionals and in his you know, discussions with the people to try and save himself, laid out the entire season. <laughs> Randy called everything that was going to happen. He was 100% right. And I think they blew their chance to get rid of poverty and to completely take control of the game. Yeah. And obviously, I'm glad took- they didn't, but... <laughs> Yeah, and look, it took extraordinary circumstances for it to come together, and I understand why you think, no, we've got a big alliance here. We can get rid of her later. Randy is a pill to be around, and he, which he, to which he himself admits, like, he was not ready to come back to Survivor. He was still, you know, this big misanthrope. Um, I doubt much has changed in that point, but he's gotten older and more mature. Um, more mature? He was already... <laughs> Yes, but maturity ain't always about age. Um, That's what I keep telling you, guys. And, you know, he was a drain on some challenges, and poverty does have value in challenges. But, I mean, not so much that you should keep such a dangerous player around in your tribe. And I think because they go on such a winning streak and because a few things weirdly break, they lose. And if they had just voted out poverty here and kept Randy as one of their numbers... Like, he wasn't going against that big alliance. And frankly, I think if you have those big numbers, I don't know if Danielle goes against you either, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this entire game is different, and maybe we're having, you know, people can have to adjust their Schneid remarks that, like, you know, Boston Rob's no good because he only won on his third try. Um, yeah. If they had just voted out poverty here. like this, And I think the big lesson here that we've learned a few other times is the best time to take out a big threat is as soon as you can. Mm-hmm. But instead, they treated this in, in a very you know old school way. Is this is the free vote? Randy's the weakest member, and we can just get rid of him. And it costs. And I them. think it's especially true in an all star season where the biggest threat is a known quantity. Like it's yeah. not just like oh, like it's dumb. It can be dumb in newer seasons where it's like oh, this person is a big threat because they are strong, so we should get mm-hmm. rid of them now. And it's like that's not going to help you, you know. But like where they have seen exactly how poverty is able to play, and yada yada. 
That, like, the way she is threatening is so incredibly dangerous to you. Like, you can't let her be around. Whereas the way she is... it's not useful to you. Yeah, it's not useful. Like, Rob, I still think, like, you just don't vote him out first. You get what you can out of Rob, and you try to vote him out later. Now, obviously, you know, the Redemption Island crew grew to regret that, but they they had opportunities. Um, But, yeah, he's the one building your camp. He's the one helping you win challenges. He's useful. You know, we might, you know, see in the future with Tony, even though he feels dangerous, like, he is a hard worker around camp he's a strong dude but poverty is just dangerous and russell uh, is just dangerous which is why the next time he comes to play people vote him out at the they they create the first opportunity to get rid of him which i think might be overkill but still yeah uh that's what poverty is and they absolutely should have gotten rid of her but uh, you know to your point I'm glad they didn't. She's yeah. Well, the season is better that they didn't. And I kind of feel like another player that might end up being like this is um, uh, Sierra um, mm. from Blood versus Water in Cambodia. She doesn't add a whole lot of value to any tribe she's on. No. She's I think good at puzzles, base. But and she's not she's a dangerous player. Like you can get rid of her. You can build the threatening case early and get rid of her. And they should have gotten rid of poverty. Yeah. And one thing I will say, though, which is actually sort of almost in defense of keeping poverty, but not in enough of one, but just that one of their arguments was like, oh, she knows all these people on the other side, which, for one thing, just further showing that nobody remembers Candace, they always just mention the Micronesia people. And it's like, first of all, Courtney knows James and Amanda, too, and Danielle knows Sari, but... Mm-hmm. And then it's like, yeah... Parvati knows James Amanda Sari. She also knows Candace, but nobody mentions that because no one gives a shit about Candace. But while that's definitely like you could see that, oh, she might jump to them. It's like, or if you work with her, you you know, she might be able to use that to your advantage. Like, and even though she does not work with those people, she definitely uses knowing them to her advantage later. Yeah, and. That's what Russell points out. Um, And sure, if you're working with Parvati, then that could be a great asset. But they were not working with Parvati, and it didn't seem like they had any intention to. And uh, I bring this up about, like, this is a big lost opportunity, and I'm not just framing it for Rob's sake because, you know, I'm I'm a big Rob fan. I think he's the one that made this vote happen. I kind of feel like Rob, uh, Russell, not sorry, Coach, Jerry, and Tyson wanted to vote out Parvati. Like, uh, Sandra... Yeah, coach very much so, and I think Jerry very much so. Like she's already like hates this. Coach and Jerry were linked, yeah. man. Well, and Parvati, Parvati and Jerry both have confessionals about how they can't stand one another. Yeah. Although Jerry, again, it's like I wish I had what she has and bottled yeah. it. Like she recognizes, you know, how formidable she is, and I think it was one of those deals where it's the first vote. Nobody wants to really step out and assert their authority. Rob has never had a problem with that. And especially after, you know, he has his big fainting spell and his big hero moment. And I'm going to do this now. I don't care about other people's feelings. Uh, I had a crybabyitis. Um, there you go. The possibly the second worst Wait, even- impression <laughs> on podcasts. Um, but yeah, I think this is him. I think this is his ego. Like, no, 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 Randy, he's useless. I don't like Randy. He's not my kind of guy. And he blew it. And uh, yeah, why I say I think Tyson water voter out is because later on we'll see him go to extreme measures to try and vote this person out. And that's the other thing. Like, if Harvey wasn't there, Tyson doesn't do his thing. They just easily split the vote between Russell and Danielle, and everything smoothly goes on. Yeah. And who knows if Russell would even play an idol on Danielle. I'd say he 100% wouldn't have. Exactly, because Danielle ain't charming. 
No. Uh, I mean, maybe he just does because he figures he, you know, this is the play, but he also wouldn't have felt like he could manip- you know, because he thinks yeah. he manipulated Tyson. Uh, when we get to that episode, we can discuss that. I, yeah, we'll discuss it then. But yeah, I think, uh, you know, and it's, obviously this is results-based things, but the evidence was there enough that this person is dangerous to you, you should get rid of her. The danger she represents is really high. The value she represents is minimal. Um, whereas Brandy presents no danger other than, like, you know, he could vote with anybody at any time. But if you have the most people, it doesn't matter. Obviously, his value is also incredibly minimal. But I, I'd say put Randy here. Value and danger is about there. Poverty like that. Like, it should have been, like, a no-brainer. That they already seemed to have formed some kind of alliance of six, and she was not part of it. You had, or and she knows she's not part of it. You gotta get rid of her. Like that, that was a huge mistake. I wonder if, well, they were shocked by the Stephanie vote, but I was gonna say, I wonder if seeing the heroes vote for Sugar first made them think like, oh, well, if they just went with the easy one, that sort of buys us time to like not play the game for a bit. Yeah, and I do think it was part of that, and I, you know, we'll discuss this throughout the next couple episodes until it becomes non-starter. I do think a lot of the season, Rob overcorrects for things that cost him in all in all stars. Mm. So that's a little nugget uh, we can go for. Uh, so I think that's all I got for this episode. These episodes. Uh, you got anything more? Um, um, check my notes real quick. Um, oh. This is this is very very minor, but at the end, you know, Randy, bitter old Randy, throws his buff into the fire. I'm like, is that where they got the idea? Game changer! He had to burn the buffs during Redemption Island. Did that come from Randy? He is. <laughs> they were so, clearly so pulling ideas from that season. So, uh, possibly. All right, so uh, that's now it. People um, are gonna think they missed rumors and that Randy's coming back for game change. No, no, no. Uh, all right, so that's uh, all for now. Next week, we will be discussing the next two episodes of Heroes versus Villains. We're not doing three episodes, and uh, why we split it up that way will become clear in the future. Uh, so that's your homework. Obviously, if you want to watch ahead, you can, but then, you know, your memory for commenting might get all jumbled. Because stick to the topics, of course, although you can always talk about the future like we already have. Uh, the last thing we wanted to talk about really quickly is uh, in the past, what was it last week? Was this last week? Uh, there was the news that uh, the AV Club is no longer covering Survivor. Um, we reason why we want to talk that is if you've been with us for a while, that is the genesis of everything we do here. Uh, we met, and by we, I mean the entire Purple Rock staff, uh, me and John, and frankly, a lot of the people that comment on our site met because AV Club decided to start covering Survivor on their TV club coverage, and we started commenting on it a lot. Um, And we did it so much, we're like, hey, maybe let's do a podcast. That would be stupid. And then we (laughs) did it. Uh, and then, you know, as we do more of that, we brought more people in, um, we talked more, that's where the fantasy game started, so that was our home, that's where we started until we decided to start doing this, and obviously, as time went on, we kind of distanced ourselves from there, not due to really anything that was going on there, more that once we got bigger, it felt like a dick move to keep telling people, oh yeah, you should come to this website as well, uh, 
we generally try not to delete traffic. Uh, once we just looked like, oh man, maybe we're leasing traffic, we stop. But we always like that place. Um, and I just would kind of wanted to give a little nod of like, this is the place that brought us all together. It is yeah. what introduced me to people I weirdly consider friends, even though, you know, you live in different parts of the country and some of you are disgustingly young. Um, so I don't know. I, I just thought I've actually met, so it's true. Uh, young, but I thought it was worth just kind of um, mentioning a bit of the end of the era, and you know, yeah. uh, what say you? Yeah, I mean, it was I was like kind of shocked because it still had a pretty like I will admit I'd gone there less and less, and like on one hand I'm like cool, so now, because, like, being on the West Coast, so it's, there's just so much to catch up on with, like, all the commenting and the tweeting and stuff like that, so it's always, like, reading through Twitter and then reading Matt's live blog and those comments and then reading the AV Club and those comments once we started doing the live blog, and it's, like, so much. But, um, and I noticed, like, this year, like, they still get a lot of comments, but maybe just it's all the same people, you know, which was probably kind of how it always was. Anyway, yeah. it's just different people. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it, the comment culture, although Carrie's reviews were always of quality, the comment culture had gotten a little weird there. I think probably because a lot of our good people were like me and just didn't have the time to like heavily comment on two things. I know Hornacek would just copy and paste the same big comment on each one. So everyone got to see it. Um, but, you know, yeah, like, I mean, we were really thinking about it. And, like, some of you guys were there later. I don't know when Mark actually came in. But, like, I started just commenting a little sporadically at first, but in South Pacific. And, like, if you think about how many years ago that I was 21. Like, I was yeah. a baby. Yeah, you were um, little Emma. And the little part was accurate. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, um, <laughs> not inaccurate now, but... And no, it was, you're, you're hella old, man. That's yeah. the second hella this 38-year-old guy said that far past the quotient that I'm allowed. I apologize. As someone whose hometown is very anti-hella, it's been upsetting both times. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you know, like, I mean, I remember, like, like we were looking back at stuff, and, like, I, one of my earliest comments was, like, a reply to John, you know? And, like, I remember, like, being like I was sort of for a while because I came in it was like they had been covering the show for like a couple seasons I think it started I forget when it started but um but like that was around just when I joined HB Club in general it wasn't yeah. like it was on it and then like oh Survivor um and and you know and I remember it was a few seasons later for Kara Moen like and then getting more like more into the show it helped because that was such the nadir of the show but then yeah. Philippines and we were all so excited and oh my god Malcolm and Denise are amazing and like and Kara Moen was when we uh, started the fantasy game exactly that's yeah and like and John like inviting me to the fantasy league was like because we weren't talking outside the board yet it was like oh, cool, like, I'm one of, like, the people that they think of being a regular, like, that's neat, you know? Mm -hmm. And so then just to look at where we're at now is just so bizarre. Yeah, no, it was just kind of like this fun community-building thing, and I think how that worked is we were people who had... And I don't mean, and it's one of those things where I always have to preface that I'm not trying to insult other groups, and then I say things that seem insulting. Um, I really mean it. Uh, (laughs) 
Survivor fandom is awesome in many different forums. Uh, it's just I'm trying to show different. Is that we were people who had more diverse interests. Like, frankly, for a lot of us, you, me, uh, Survivor was like this dirty little secret almost, right? Like, it was a show. And it's like you and I, we've been watching it forever. But it's not like, you know, I I never listed it as my favorite show. And I wouldn't really talk about it with people that I I wasn't married to uh, all that often. Uh, But... AV Club already had a bit of a common culture, or that I I was in, I was there before TV Club was a thing. Uh, they launched TV Club, and it was a place to comment. They actually tried to do Survivor the first season, and then dropped it after like five episodes because it just it really didn't match the AV Club style. In fact, yeah, most of the, every every fucking one would have that. Oh, is this show still on? Um, and it still would get that sometimes. Yeah, like, until we just took him over and we you know got those people out. Yeah. But yeah, that's where I think how a different kind of group grew is that we are people who you know like TV and all something, and it wasn't just Survivor obsessives, which mm-hmm. other Survivor commenting had become. And for me personally, um, I used to comment back at Television Without Pity. That's when I really first got into Survivor as a like an internet commenting thing. Again, I'd been watching since the beginning, but that I got into that. I think around All-Stars, maybe Pearl Islands. Um, but then it was gone. TV Without Pity, I think, overlapped at the beginning of TV Club, but it wasn't there. And it wasn't, there was another, there, I found there wasn't a place there I could discuss Survivor. And it was awesome that the AV Club just started doing it again. I can't quite remember what season. I think they came in at the end of Nicaragua to talk about how awful it was. And then I they followed it up. Know, I know there's the finale of Heroes vs. Villains, actually. Yeah. But not the whole season, just the finale. Yeah. And I think you'll find me commenting on that. Yeah. In fact, actually, I believe Sharkily I... Charlie's pointed that out. Yeah. Um... And so I think that's how, like, this parallel commenting group that we are so proud and excited to have started is just the AV Club already had a bit of a commenting culture of, you know, be a little funny, be a little astute, um, don't be a dick, although, you know, obviously there was some of that, but, you know, there's community pressure in different places. And that was refreshing, and I think that's what drew people there. Um, and then, obviously, we decided – and then – by the nature of us commenting there and doing fantasy games and getting to know one another, and yeah, we invited you because we liked the way you commented, and same with Matt and other people. Um, we got more into Survivor. Yeah, Survivor became I, I a much more fun show because of the uh, the community there. And after a while, it, it came clear that I yeah, and I, I just, it's impossible to say this without some level of ego, and I, I, I don't mean it to be that. But our group, and I don't just mean us five, I mean the group of people that make this website what it is, and that's the, the commenters. That's us, and we were filled. Now, if they had thousands of comments, it was because you know there was fifteen of us making eight hundred of them or something like that. Um, Especially for the fantasy league stuff. Yeah, and that always we always felt bad about that too. It's like we're derailing conversations, and we try to keep it to a thread, but other mm. people would come in, right? That's one of the motivations for doing stuff on our site besides the podcast. It's like, oh, let's stop, you know, eating in, in other people's threads. We we always were cognizant of the fact that we were guests there, but. I think after a while, we outgrew the AV Club's mission, which is this is one show of many, right? And especially as TV Club grew, they were, like, posting, like, 10 a night or something. Yeah. As we all became bigger Survivor fans, it made more sense for us to have Survivor place to discuss. And, I'm, you know, I'm 
So it's just a, a weird mix of emotions when I heard that announcement because it's like, okay. this is why we do this, and this is how I met people that are awesome. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, I don't feel bad that well, you know, the commenters move on to a different, our site, uh, for one, because we don't make any money off of it. Uh, <laughs> and for two, it's just like, yeah, it made sense. We wanted to discuss Survivor amongst these cool Survivor people. And if we have a unique culture uh, compared to other Survivor commenting sites, it's because it grew there and it grew into something great. And I, I wanted to pay some homage to you know that era, and I'm excited that there's still some place for us all to exist. Yeah. You know, until it becomes too much work for us, and then it's all dead. Yeah, well. <laughs> uh, so that's all I had to say about that. Uh, just, uh, you know, for everybody who came from the AV Club, I'm, I'm super excited that you are with us. And hopefully we can still keep doing cool stuff. Totally. And if you're a fan of iZombie, support Carrie's iZombie reviews instead, because she's still doing those, and that show's awesome, and that is that is my unnecessary plug. And Emma will be starting up the iZombie fantasy. No, I'm just <laughs> uh, so this would be the point where I end the show by saying hit the theme music, except that for the video portion, there's going to be no theme music. But for the podcast version, hit the theme music! 